Radio Influence. The future is now. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Welcome in, and oh, it's getting good on Three Dog Thursday as we're ready to talk lots of college basketball underdogs. It is championship week. Cannot wait. I am your somewhat lucid and capable host, TJ Reeves. He is our analyst from Vegas Insider. Senior handicapper Kevin Rogers is back with me. Happy March. Happy, happy about 100 college basketball games this weekend, literally, that narrow everything down to the NCAA tournament and Selection Sunday, Sunday night. I can't believe Selection Sunday is only a couple of days away. Kevin, good to be with you. Good morning. It, uh, it is very exciting. These two days, well, obviously the first two days of the NCAA tournament are great, but these two days of the conference tournaments are really fun because you have so many games out there and you have four packs of games from all these major conferences all day long. So it really is uh, a lot of fun. But before we begin, you know, you mentioned Selection Sunday coming up in this weekend. I will say, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way as I do, I am not down with this new, we're going to announce the teams in alphabetical order and then do the brackets. I mean, come on. Like, the, half the drama is seeing the brackets. And if you're a bubble team, seeing where you're going to go, so if you're, I'm just throwing out an example, if you're Butler, let's just say, and you were on the bubble and they passed you and they got to see, you you can shut it off, you're done. But instead, if you got to the end and you're maybe in the 8-9 game, you're like the last one, we still have a shot here. It's just, I don't understand what they're doing with that. I do, and I, I was going to actually prompt you in a little bit with this, but you know, we're great minds, we've done this long enough now, you and I gotten to know each other. Uh, you just went ahead and jumped off the high dive uh, head first, and I love that uh, about you. So there's two things in play. The first one is this is the first time, I believe, that the selection show is on TBS, not CBS as part of the deal. I may be wrong about that. They may have no, I think like, you're right on that. I, okay. I think you're right. So the se- and so they're in charge of the production, kind of the flow of the broadcast. It's, again, a two-hour broadcast, not one hour. To get it all set in one hour makes, makes you expedite things. So they've got two hours to fill. And what I believe is partially motivating this idea of reveal the 68 teams first and then the brackets as the show unfolds for about 45 minutes, because that's what they're going to do, Kevin. I mean, they're going to reveal the 68 like in the first 10 minutes Sunday night, and then they're going to take almost the full hour to lay the brackets out, where typically CBS would have the brackets laid out in about 30 minutes and then talk about it for the last 30 minutes. I believe they want some controversy. They want to stir it up. They want some people angry. They, they are trying to get attention for this show. And maybe this is going to fizzle out and be a one and done, kind of like a lot of the players in college basketball that head to the NBA. They'll try it this one time, and then they'll say that doesn't work. We, we shouldn't reveal the 68 teams in order right away. We should do it the way that we've been doing it, where their names appear in brackets with seeds, and that's how you find out. Because more than one person has pointed this out, and it's true, 
that if you are a bubble team, if your team's like, and we're going to talk about them more specifically in a second, Syracuse and Oklahoma and Nebraska that have already lost in their conference tournament as we're about to begin on Three Dog Thursday, and you're already you're already nervous and you're already waiting, you're going to know in the first seven, eight minutes of the show we're not on that list of 68. We're out. Whereas, this is your point, if it's the old formula, it might be 30 minutes, 40 minutes after the hour before you finally realize we're not in that final bracket that they're showing. Our name didn't pop up. We're out. So there's going to be numerous fan bases in numerous markets that are going to say the heck with it. Uh, we're ticked. We're not watching the rest of the show. I'll find out the brackets later. You buy that? No. You know what I think I buy? Somebody sent this to me. Is this about leaks? Is this about that? Because we've seen leaks in the past, uh, and they're just trying to, I guess, like, so like delay the drama in a sense. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to give you a taste of the cake. You can stick your finger in the fudge, and that's it. You can't eat the cake just yet. And that's kind of, I think, what they're trying to do. But think about it like this, TJ. You have... Uh, I forgot what the breakdown is. You have thirty something automatics. You know you're getting in if you're an automatic. I it's thirty three. I think it's thirty three automatics, thirty five at large. Keep going. Okay, thirty three. Thirty three teams already know they're in. They have thirty five left. Out of the thirty five, is it fair to say thirty of them know they're in? Like Purdue Probably. knows they're in. Yep, Michigan yep. State yep. knows they're in. So the point is, is that basically the drama out of the gate on that show is for like the three or four bubble teams that aren't sure That's where right. they're going to go. And obviously we know that if, if St. John's wins the big East, they're stealing a bid from someone. If Villanova wins the big East, they don't cause they're going to go anyway. So you, you'll know over the next few days, if you have one team that comes out of nowhere to win their conference tournament that shouldn't have, or that won't be in the NCAA tournament, if they did it, then you say, all right, we have the, the you know the handful of teams that are the bubble teams. So really, I don't know what they're doing because what drama is there when it's like four teams are worried about it? The other 64 already know there is. Yeah, but th- I mean, there's going to be numerous uh, t- teams and markets and fan bases. They're going to know we didn't get in, and I, I wonder if it's going to hurt them somehow, some way. And again, it's an experiment. They may they may try this this year and decide they don't want to do it. Um, you know, part of it is the two-hour show. I come back to that, where they feel like we've got to fill up two hours talking about this on TBS cable instead of getting it done in one hour. Because if it was a one-hour show, you'd get to the whole bracketing process much quicker anyway. I think that's where there's going to be a lot of anger. And it was two years ago, to your point, that the bracket leaked out online, and they had a big investigation. Was it a TBS employee? Was it a CBS employee? And it turned out it was a contractor. It was somebody that was hired to work. Uh, as part of the broadcast uh, by by CBS somehow some way that saw the bracket took a took a quick screenshot of it and put it out on the internet and that's the last thing they want because that takes all of the drama away about who's going where so that is selection Sunday night and what's going to happen when the madness the mayhem all of the upsets conclude we've got to get to there. Uh, coming up. All right, so a little housekeeping here on Three Dog Thursday. We finished up the regular season. We ended up going two and three last week after all the talk about the role we had been on, 19 and four with the underdogs, 22 and four overall with the correct predictions in college basketball. We cooled a little bit, although you did get a cover uh, last week with Oregon State on Thursday night, and I got the cover in the bizarre finish, Louisville and Virginia, where Louisville 
had the lead by four with four seconds left and lost the game in regulation at home to Virginia. It was still a cover, so I'll take it for Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, just a real quick comment on that. That's as bizarre a finish as we've seen in years in college basketball where all they had to do with two or three seconds left was let Virginia shoot the ball. Don't foul them. You're up by four. The game is over. Instead, they foul, they let the free throws happen, and then the steal of the inbounds pass and the desperation three by Virginia, they end up winning the game. It was a crazy finish for Virginia to to wrap up the ACC regular season title and hand Louisville a devastating loss at home on senior night. You know, there's something wrong with coaching, okay? But there are times where you're up three, and you decline to foul the player before he shoots a three, put him at the line yeah. for two, and then and have that hole where that math doesn't really work. It's just very difficult to hit the first one and miss it, and they get the rebound all that other stuff. You mess that up. And on the flip side, when you're up four, if I'm a coach, if I'm David Padgett, just don't touch him. Just yeah. just walk, just take a seat on the court. Don't, like, what? I just never understood the whole let's defend until the end. Theory, and I'm not just putting that on David Padgett specifically because it happens in different games all over the country, and you see it, you see it. I mean, I don't really think you see it as much in the NBA because these guys get it, but in college, I just don't understand why all the way to the end, but you got to play defense. No, 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 you're up four, get out yeah. of the way, don't touch anybody, don't breathe on them, just let them do what they have to do, build score, and you're still winning. I don't get it. It's just, it's just silly to me how you know. Sometimes, like we see the same thing in football. You know, you see, uh, I guess, on a, on a punt return, get out of the way. Poison, poison, get out of the way. And, like, somehow, like, you touch the ball, you're trying to grab it. Like, just let it go. Just do that, and guess what? You're still going to have to leave. I'm with you. Uh, you find you invent ways to lose, crazy ways to lose at the end. We're both in agreement. If it's under five seconds and you're up by three, foul. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, a couple more times on Three Dog Thursday as March goes on. This is the 10th anniversary of the classic example of that. Kansas uh, tying the game with my Memphis Tigers in the Alamo Dome. We're back in the Alamo Dome 10 years later because Memphis didn't grab Mario Chalmers under five seconds up by three, let him tie the game, and Kansas eventually won in overtime. And we'll see that, I'm sure, as part of championship week and as part of these NCAA tournament games on more than one occasion, a team is going to be up by three and foolishly not grab the three-point shooter and let them tie the game. So uh, it maddens out on that. All right, so um, as it as it ends up, uh, we've had a solid run, a really good run, with the postseason actual underdogs. Here's what we're going to do. We've done this for the last two years on Three Dog Thursday. Because the show is running and debuting on Thursday, we don't just want Thursday games only. And in some cases, Kevin, like you mentioned, some of them are early games coming up on Thursday where our win or our loss might be over with by lunchtime or a little after lunchtime, Eastern time. We want this to last through the weekend, so we hope. So the concept you and I have uh, have come up with is find an underdog to make the conference tournament championship game or perhaps win the tournament, even go on to win the tournament, that's not a one or two seed. Because we would agree, quick comment from you, the favorites are the one and the two seeds. Anything beyond that, a three, a four, or worse, that can be considered an underdog. We're going along with that, right? Yeah, it's worked pretty well the last few years. And, yeah, I mean, even if you're a three seed, you're still a pretty good team, but obviously it's kind of cheap to take a one or a two. But, uh, you know, still, if you're a three, somewhere down the line, unless the one or two get eliminated, you'll probably have to beat the one or the two, so you'll be an underdog in that game. 
So, yeah, so it's worked out well, and uh, you just hope that your team is getting knocked out on Thursday. And, and we should make mention, historical reference here, two years ago, Kevin had the Seton Hall Pirates, who were on the bubble, maybe not going to be in the NCAA tournament in the Big East tournament. You called your shot and said, I think they could be in the championship game, if not win the Big East tournament. They ended up winning. They, they beat Villanova in the championship game. Villanova went on to win the national championship a few weeks later on the last second shot. So two years ago, you called Seton Hall in the Big East tournament for the win. And it was a year ago at this time. I really liked John Beeline's Michigan team even before the plane mishap. They were taking off to go to the ACC tournament in Washington, D.C. And remember the plane in high wind skidded off the runway. Very scary, harrowing situation for them. They ended up having to travel the morning of the game to get to D.C., won the opening game, won four games in four days. I had them as a non-number one, number two seed for underdog purposes, and they won the tournament. So we we have some credibility on this. Let's see if it continues with some of our predictions. So Kevin and I are each going to go with an underdog team to either make the championship game, if not win a conference tournament this weekend. So with that as the setup, what tournament do you want to begin with as we alternate here on Three Dog Thursday? Which one do you want to go with first? I'll start with the Big 12 in Kansas City. And... You know, West Virginia has been just a, a very difficult team to figure out this season. They finished off the regular season losing at Texas in overtime. And, you know, they, they should have beaten Kansas twice this year and lost both those games. They lost to Texas Tech earlier when they were, I believe, number two in the country or number three. And they just had some issues. But yet, I feel like with Bob Huggins, like when you, it, it's like the Izzo thing. You know, when you count them out and they're done, I feel like they come back and they'll play well. And West Virginia, I think, here in this Big 12 tournament that they will find a way. They get Baylor in the first game on Thursday. And I just think the way that the draw is that they don't have to play Kansas for a few games. But I think that West Virginia can can go through this. they got to win three games. That's the best part about this Big 10 is that it's not – Big 12, rather – that it is not, you know, four or five games they have to win. They have to win three games in three days. That's not asking too much. I think West Virginia has the ability to put it all together. They just have to find a way to do that, and I'll take them in the Big 12. All right, and that Big 12 tournament, again, in Kansas City, always seems to be the Bill Self Invitational, uh, with them winning the league title, winning or sharing the league title 14 years in a row. Texas Tech in that tournament. Oklahoma having lost as we tape Three Dog Thursday. We're going to have fun uh, with this uh, coming up in our in our last segment with Kevin on, on two or three teams debating whether they are in or out for the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma has already lost to Oklahoma State at the time that we're taping, so they're out of the Big 12 tournament. And uh, you look at West Virginia, Huggins, with all that postseason experience. They, they grapple you on defense. We'll see if, uh, if the Mountaineers... Uh, can come through on that front. Speaking of the Big East, I will go with a Big East underdog at Madison Square Garden. We know from a Wednesday night that St. John's, that got off to that 0-11 start in Big East play, they end up winning some games at the end of the year. They end up beating Georgetown in the opening game. So Chris Mullen has done a good job. Oh, goody, though. His team, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, gets to play the top seed Xavier right away at lunchtime on, on Thursday. And again, if you're listening to us well after it on Thursday, you may already know what did or didn't happen in the St. John's-Xavier game. And that's the case with a lot of these games on Thursday. We're kind of talking about this in the preview mode. You may be listening on Friday or on the weekend, and you already know that uh, our teams are doing well or, or not doing well. 
Um, Marquette also was a winner Wednesday night in the Big East tournament. So Marquette plugs in to play two-seed Villanova. I like Butler. Late game Thursday night against Seton Hall. Potential matchup with... Uh, Villanova in the conference semifinal. Uh, Laval Jordan, the first-year coach. I think Butler can find some magic here uh, in the garden. Uh, Villanova, again, has stumbled a couple of times in the past on on uh, for Jay Wright uh, in the postseason in the Big East tournament. I mentioned the Seton Hall win in the championship game. Villanova also lost an overtime game to Creighton uh, near the end of the year. Could have lost an overtime game at Seton Hall. Ended up winning, I think, by one against Seton Hall about a week ago. I'll take Butler uh, in this matchup with Seton Hall uh, coming as uh, the three seed. I think they can upset Villanova. I think they'll be in the championship game, if not have a shot to win it. Uh, Xavier likely is going to be on the other half of the draw. So in the Big East tournament for the championship game on Saturday night, I like the Butler Bulldogs uh, in, in the Big East. Xavier and Villanova, there's a lot of talk. Kevin, that both of them will be number one seeds. Do you think that could uh, very likely happen come Selection Sunday night? The two teams out of the Big East will each get number one seeds when this is said and done with the years that they've had? Real quick. No. No, I think Villanova, as long as they don't fall on their face, I think Villanova will end up being a one. Virginia will be a one. Kansas will be a one. And I don't know who the fourth will be. But uh, no, I think Xavier will be a two. And what kills Xavier is they lost to Villanova twice. Well, and I mean, the, the debate is, is the Pac-12 champ is the uh you mentioned Virginia is it maybe the SEC champ that gets the other one seed we'll we'll find out if that's the case there from the Big East tournament okay we uh, we each have gone through one team at the moment here on 3 dog Thursday to watch let's go for a second team where do you want to go next a non one or two seed to make the title game if not win their conference tournament on championship weekend Kevin Rogers Vegas insider your turn again go I'm going to go with the ACC and Roy Williams and the North Carolina Tar Heels. They are the sixth seed, and, you know, I understand that, you know, they're better than, you know, people have said that they're the sixth seed in the ACC, but they could be like a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament, which is kind of amazing because the tiebreakers, how they worked out. And North Carolina draws Miami in the first game. Uh, well, I mean, they beat Syracuse, but now they, they draw Miami in the quarterfinals, and if they were to beat Miami, then you got – Coach K and Duke and the Blue Devils coming up in the uh, in the semifinals. They just played Duke and lost that game to the Blue Devils, but they beat them earlier this season. I just think with Carolina, that uh, obviously plenty of talent, defending national champions, that uh, in this ACC tournament, and not to say that like I don't buy into Virginia. Virginia is obviously an excellent team, but uh, I think that if Carolina can find a way to just win a low-scoring game, and shoot the ball well against Virginia. They have a shot there, but they're going to have three very difficult games, you know, potentially Miami, maybe Duke, maybe Virginia. So it won't be easy for North Carolina, but I think that they have plenty of talent to find a way to get to that ACC championship. And this is one of those situations where I agree with Kevin Rogers. I liked this one when we began this concept and I started looking a couple of days ago. I liked North Carolina's draw. Do you buy into, I'm a big believer in this, we've seen so many examples for the positive, that when you get to play a game, as North Carolina did beating Syracuse, you're now playing a team in Miami, and remember Miami beat North Carolina in the last matchup recently, last second three-point shot. Uh, Kevin, I know you're on the uh, Miami Hurricane broadcast, what a great finish, Joe Zagaki on the on the uh, call for the last second three-pointer um, that ends up beating North Carolina, so this is a revenge game. 
I, I think on Thursday night in Brooklyn, and again, whenever you're listening to us, you already know the result, it's an advantage for North Carolina that they already played a game. How much do you buy into that if you've played a game or two and you're playing a team with a bye or a double bye, that it's to your advantage? In, in Duke's case, they're playing Notre Dame, who's played two games. Uh, and Notre Dame uh, has obviously gotten acclimated to the Barclays Center, et cetera. How much credence do you put in that, Kevin? I think Carolina has a bit of uh, an advantage more than uh, – or excuse me, what was I going to say? I think that the one day, if you play back-to-back, it's not as big of a deal. I think Duke has got the bigger advantage because now Notre Dame's played twice already. So now you, you got a team on, the, on you know, playing their third game in three days that they're really not right. used to. But uh, as far as Miami goes, I know this. They flew up there on Monday. So this today's Thursday, okay, or we're taping this on Thursday. That's right. So they've been in, in New York for three days already, and, and it's cold in New York, and it's gross up there with all the weather. So they've been, I don't say sitting around. They've still been practicing and preparing. But, you know, you're waiting, you're waiting, and they're yep. playing the last game. They're not playing at noon or at 2.30. They're playing the last game on Thursday, so they're the last team to play in the ACC tournament. All right, Everyone else has played in the conference except for them. So I think it's, it could be a bit of a disadvantage for them just sitting and waiting and waiting and, and playing at a time that they don't normally play at. That's a good point. Now, a lot of sitting around and a lot of watching other teams play. Uh, we'll see. So we're in agreement on North Carolina, not only taking out Miami, but being able to – it would be a rematch with Duke. They split the regular season, or it could be Notre Dame in the upset. I agree with you. Where it will affect Notre Dame the most is the second half of the Duke game, a third game in three days. Uh, how much how much legs do they have? And Duke should be the fresher team. We'll see if that's the case in the other uh, quarterfinal game. So, again, you and I agree on Carolina, the defending national champs. And, and again, guys like Joel Berry, uh, Luke May and others that have played in the national championship game the last two years, won the title last year. That should be an advantage for North Carolina. We agree in the ACC. How about that with Roy Williams? Uh, Kevin, stand by. We're going to have some fun. You're going to come back later on in the show uh, and be with me here. We've got another conference tournament or two that we're going to discuss on teams, again, that are not the top two seeds. Uh, we also are going to take a look at three, I think at least three, maybe four bubble teams and get Kevin's opinion. Are they in or are they out? Just from the standpoint, they've already lost in their conference tournament and now they anxiously await selection Sunday night. Kevin, I look forward to talking with you about that a little bit later on. Straight ahead, Rich Hollenberg will be here with us. You know him from ESPN's coverage of college basketball, including the Big 12. Uh, Rich also worked the Horizon League Championship on ESPN, a tournament that I worked on radio, on national radio, on TuneIn. We'll talk some March Madness with him coming up as Three Dog Thursday continues. You stay with us. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com. Take 30% off your order for the college basketball postseason with the promo code HOOPS. Get in your face. College-themed shirts. 30% off. Promo code HOOPS. SmackApparel.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do continue on. It is March. Oh, the mayhem of all of these different games. Extra eyeballs, extra TVs. I'll say this a couple of times over the next couple of weeks. You almost need wires to be like an IV directly into a vein to take all of this in for all of the college basketball that's about to happen. 
Uh, as we do continue, let's bring in from ESPN. Love this guy's uh, work. He's been working all year on the Big 12. Got to be around him in the Motor City of Detroit for Motor City Madness uh, and the Horizon League Championship win by the Wright State Raiders on Tuesday night. He was calling the game with Fran Fraschilla on ESPN while I was doing the game uh, nationally on TuneIn on radio. Rich Hollenberg, thank you for stopping by on Three Dog Thursday. It was great to be around you uh, in the Motor City. And, wow, welcome to March and all the craziness of Championship Week. Good to have you. Yeah, uh, I feel like this is our annual tradition, TJ, so I'm uh, I'm thrilled (laughs) to be back to you my favorite time of year in sports. (laughs) It is just crazy with all the games uh, and the madness. Let's go back to Tuesday night. Uh, Again, most of the country, most of the audience that's hearing us doesn't pay attention all year long to the Horizon League, doesn't know all the teams and the tournaments. The Wright State team that won... Very interesting for a lot of reasons, including they've, they've got a redshirt freshman named Loudon Love, and wherever Wright State appears in a bracket coming up with a matchup, that's a name to remember. This is a team that, that uh, won a lot of games and ended up winning the conference tournament. What are your thoughts on, on Wright State and who we saw Tuesday night get an automatic bid? Uh, I, you know what? I think just like any of those teams who are really good at the top of their conference mid-major-wise, and can see their way through the tournament like they did. Uh, I, I think there's someone that uh, as most likely be a 15 seed, maybe sneaking on the 14 line. Uh, I think they're dangerous for two reasons. A, you mentioned one of them, Loud and Love uh, is a load. And not only is he a load, but as you saw, TJ, he's an athletic guy too. Uh, former football player, former offensive lineman. He's got great feet, big soft hands. Uh, I think he would be able to battle down low with any of the, you know, uh, so-called big men from the, from the Power Five conferences. But the thing I like about them is they're really well coached. They have a coach who's been through these wars before. He's taken South Dakota State, State I'm talking about Scott Nagy, obviously, to uh, three NCAA tournaments. This is his first time going with Wright State. So he knows the drill. He knows all about being an underdog and what it takes to pull off a win. Uh, but he's got himself a senior guard by the name of Grant Benzinger, who is absolutely fearless. Never saw a shot he didn't like. He's gritty. He's gutty. And uh, he's not someone who will bow down to any of those uh, aforementioned Power 5 teams that they're most likely guaranteed to be facing. Yeah, and then to your point, if they're somewhere around 15, you're, you're looking at Purdue. You're looking at... Uh, Duke, uh, maybe Xavier, somebody like that, uh, that ends up being a two seed, or if they're on that 14 line, again, we don't know for sure what the committee is, is going to do, but you start looking at teams like West Virginia or maybe Michigan State or North Carolina that could be a three seed. Uh, somebody out of the SEC like Florida could be a three seed. Arizona could be a three seed and maybe playing right State. Uh, this team that we saw the other night. And, and you know, one thing, uh, I'm going to be working the Sunbelt Conference Tournament uh, this weekend in their championship game. Uh, you've worked that in years gone by. You've worked other mid-major tournaments. A lot of times they have veteran players, like you referenced with Ben Zinger of Wright State. They have three or four of them that have been around, played together for three or four years. In a lot of cases, they know this is their last hurrah in the NCAA tournament, their last chance to play. How much do you value that experience that for a lot of these programs, they have the same guys that have been around three or four years. How much does it help them? 
I think it helps them a ton, TJ, and not just these type of teams, not just the mid-majors that you're referencing. I think the team that will win the NCAA tournament, the team that will go to the Final Four, and, and I'm not in the business of making predictions, uh, but the fact is is that give me the old guys, no matter what, Power Five, mid-major, you name it, give me the old guys. They're the ones. It used to be in the past, and it wasn't too long ago, maybe five years ago, maybe a little more like seven years ago, TJ, that if someone would ask me that question, what's the recipe for making it to a Final Four? I would say you need veteran coaching and you need a really good point guard. And after that, it was all secondary and tertiary. But right now, I would put veteran leadership at the top of my list, followed closely by those other two that I just mentioned. If you have a veteran backcourt, that's kind of doubling down on your chances of advancing, at least pulling off an upset. If not, you know, if you're a real favorite type of team, making it to the second uh, or possibly even third weekend in the tournament. I I think veteran leadership is humongous. And I think if you have a veteran backcourt, then you're, that's kind of the daily double of, uh, of a recipe for success. Well, and, and to your point, uh, my, my analyst Kevin Rogers and I uh, from VegasInsider.com was just on talking North Carolina in the segment before you. He and I agree that North Carolina could do some damage in this ACC tournament. Again, if you're listening to this show a little later in the weekend after Thursday, you may already know that North Carolina lost, and I'm completely full of crap, and so is Kevin. But we like North Carolina along the same lines. Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, Luke May, they've been around the last couple of years when they've gone all the way to the championship game. There is something to be said for that, uh, that experience. Let's see if it translates uh, for North Carolina. Again, Rich Hollenberg with me for a few more moments. I love his work on ESPN uh, and, and the coverage here. Uh, you worked a lot in the Big 12. The Big 12 tournament unfolding while we're talking in Kansas City. We just debated Oklahoma in the last segment. You worked the Big 12. You even worked a, an Oklahoma game or two, I believe, this year. At the moment, how nervous should they be that they lost that opening game Wednesday night with Oklahoma State and really bottomed out the last month of the Big 12 season? How nervous are they right now in in Norman? I think they have every reason to be nervous, TJ, but way beyond my capacity to understand the seating and the brackets and the tournament committee and all the numbers and letters that go into making their decisions. Uh, Being an ESPN employee, I always defer to Joe Lenardi, who's our resident bracketologist. He says that Oklahoma is still in. And the reason they're in is because they have six top 25 wins on the year. Uh, The the reason that they're going to make it into the tournament, I believe, is because they play in the Big 12. And you look at the whole body of work, so it doesn't matter that they didn't play well the last month. It matters how did they play in general the entire year. And I will say this for Oklahoma. I don't want to sound like a, an Oklahoma apologist or a Trey Young apologist because they have not played well. And you're right. I've seen them a number of times beginning of the year and toward the end of the year. And I wasn't impressed toward the end of the year. But if you put Oklahoma, let's just say they're on the eight seed line or the nine seed line or the 10 seed line. You tell me that you're a seven seed going up against Oklahoma as a 10 seed. You want to see Trey Young in the first round? And then even worse, what if they win as an eight seed or a 10 seed? Then you have one day to prepare for Trey Young. That is not an enviable task for a coach. So the the short story long, TJ, I think they will get in. Um, I'm not in the business of saying they deserve to get in versus other teams because there are going to be a lot of teams that get snubbed just like every year. But I will say this. 
last night's loss or, or whenever you're listening, their first round loss to Oklahoma State is not a bad loss. They were the eight seed, I understand, and Oklahoma State was the nine seed, but Oklahoma State should get in. Uh, you know, if, if there's anything I want you and your listeners to take away from our conversation, it's not so much stumping one way or the other for Oklahoma's credibility. I think I am highly in favor of Oklahoma State deserving a bid in the NCAA tournament for very much the same reason that I just told you Oklahoma's going to get in. They have six top 25 wins. They have four wins against top 10 teams. This is the benefit of playing in what I believe to be maybe the deepest and most balanced and most competitive conference in all of basketball. Will the Big 12 get a Final Four team? I don't know. Uh, now, you know, the word came out that, uh, that uh, Azubuki is not going to play in the Big 12 tournament, so that obviously severely affects Bill Self's chances of winning a Big 12 championship. Between you and me, I don't think he values the conference tournament championship. I think he has a one or a two seed lockdown anyway. Uh, but they would certainly be the favorite from that conference to go to a, a, a Final Four. But I certainly think there are a, a few other teams from that conference that could rise up and surprise some people and, and, and take it all the way to a Final Four appearance. Maybe so. Uh, West Virginia might be one of those teams that could put it together. And the point Lenardi was making, and look, Jerry Palm of CBS does a great job, and there's a few other bracketologists out there that have been scanning this and looking at it. If Oklahoma's losses in the Big 12, and this is the case, every one of their losses, as it turns out, are going to be to a team, including probably Oklahoma State, that make the NCAA tournament. So how much do you knock them for losing to good quality competition when they've already got a lot of good quality wins? Uh, Again, we were going over them. I know we're spending a lot of time on the Sooners. We were going over them before you came on, uh, having won some games out of the conference. Again, I mean, they win at Wichita State in a true road win. They beat USC in a home-away-from-home situation in Los Angeles. You can't take those from them. They they, They sweep TCU, beat them at TCU. Yes, it was earlier in the year. Those wins don't come off the board for the selection committee. So I think we agree there that Oklahoma... Uh, we'll get in, and again, in the, in the Big 12, you've probably got two or three dangerous teams that could win that conference tournament in Kansas City when it's said and done. Um, all right, so as things unfold this weekend, we talk about underdogs. I, I, do you have a team that stands out to you that's not a one or a two seed that you really are anxious to see as this unfolds Thursday to Friday, Friday to Saturday in conference tournament play? If so, who might that team be, Rich? Uh, I'll hedge a little bit, TJ, and give you two. One team that I'm very familiar with because I covered the SEC all year along with the Big 12 and one from the ACC. Uh, the, the team that from the ACC who is truly would be a dark horse is the Boston College Eagles. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, depending on what happens when you're, as you said, when your listeners are tuning into this right now, who knows what could happen. But Boston College uh, has a backcourt that, is maybe the most talented backcourt that no one talks about in the country, and Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman. I covered them for the last couple of years. They've been around. They've taken their lumps. They've played against the best competition in the country, and they always play well against that better competition. Uh, I think Jim Christian, uh, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. He's a guy who really cut his teeth on the mid-major level, He's surrounded himself with great coaches. He comes from uh, great coaching stock. I, I think that team has the makeup to maybe rise up and surprise some people, again, for the simple reason that 
they've kind of laid in the weeds and they take their lumps during the conference schedule because the ACC is so talented, but they benefit from that when it comes to playing other teams who aren't maybe as well prepared for them as their ACC foes are. The other team I would give you who isn't that much of an underdog, especially because, you know, how can a a conference co-champion be an underdog? But I'll give you either or Auburn or Tennessee. I don't think a lot of people around the country are giving them their just due because they're not Kentucky and they're not Florida. But I've seen both of those teams. And let me tell you, the fact that Auburn does not have a player on the first team all-conference, namely uh, Mustafa Heron, I know Bruce Pearl very well. And I know that is bulletin board material. No teams <laughs> play harder against their opponents, regardless of who it is, than Auburn and Tennessee. So don't be surprised if one or both of those two teams is playing deep into the second week. And I think they're both good enough to be at least an Elite Eight quality team. Uh, how about, and in Rick Barnes's case with Tennessee, not household names, and yet they win 13 games to share the league title. And again, depending on when you're listening, who knows how it plays out in St. Louis for that SEC tournament uh, this weekend. But you're saying keep an eye on them into the, you believe that both of those teams last into the second weekend, Sweet 16, Elite Eight capability. And Pearl has been there previously with Tennessee, previously with Milwaukee, with Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He's been in the Sweet 16. Barnes has been to a Final Four with Texas, has been to the Sweet 16 with Providence, with Clemson. uh, To your point, there's something to be said for coaching and coaches that have been there before being able to help their new program find a way to get there before. We say, hey, circle back. We saw it Tuesday night with, uh, with Scott Nagy, the coach of uh, of uh, uh, Wright State. He had been multiple mm-hmm. times with South Dakota State in the NCAA tournament, Division II championship with South Dakota State. There is something to be said for having been there before, experienced it, and knowing how to manage young people and calm them down and get them in the right situations to win. I'm backing you. I'm believing in it with Pearl and with, with uh, Rick Barnes. Yeah, and those guys have been through the wars before. And they will have their team prepared. They will have their team convinced that they're the underdog in every single game. And when you watch them play, that's how they play. It, it, they they hang their hat on defense. Most of their offense will come from their defense. And uh, as you know, the old adage is a cliche because cliches are true. Defense travels. And, and I, you know, regardless of what happens in the SEC tournament, uh, those two teams as co-champions of the regular season – I think those are two teams to watch out for pending matchups. Matchups are the thing that blow everything up in the NCAA tournament. Um, there's always a wink and a nod matchup somewhere along the line. Uh, so you never know who these two teams are going to face or who anybody's going to face. That could be a matchup nightmare for them. But I, I really like the way those two teams play. And neither of those two teams really went into any prolonged slumps during the year. That's another thing that I really like about him. Love it. I really like this guy a lot for his insight, his analysis. Uh, he's a great follow on Twitter as well, Rich Hollenberg at Rich on Sports. Does great work for ESPN's college basketball. He'll transition to baseball and coverage of the Tampa Bay Rays Major League Baseball season as well. But we got plenty of March Madness to get to, the mayhem of this month, long before we, long before we get to 
uh, everything that's going to be happening uh, uh, with the baseball season. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I know you're anxious like I am to watch dozens of games unfold over the next three or four days, and then that leads us to next week, the first four on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then 32 games next uh, Thursday and Friday. It's going to be great, Rich. It's going to be a blast, is it not? Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Like I said, it's the best time of year if you're a sports fan. No doubt. Rich Hollenberg, thank you. I appreciate you popping on on Three Dog Thursday to give me some insights, some wisdom, in particular on the Big 12 and the SEC. I loved seeing you the other night in Detroit. Continued, uh, continued success to you. And uh, I, I always love the fact that you're willing to come on. Return my call, as I like to say. Return the text message and come on. Thank you, brother. Anytime. Always a pleasure, TJ. Back in one more time on the only digital radio show that is exclusively devoted to underdogs and college hoops. Selection Sunday coming Sunday, the mayhem of March. Man, oh man, uh, with all these conference tournaments, teams trying to play their way in. I mean, uh, Kevin, you made, uh, we'll call Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper Vegas Insider, back in one more time. Good to be back with you. You made mention in our opening segment, look out for bid stealers. Look out for teams that maybe pull off uh, upsets and take the automatic bid in some of these tournaments that aren't necessarily already in the tournament. Uh, there are going to be teams frowning, and it, it's too early to tell right now on Thursday at the time we're taping, but this could happen, for example, in the Mountain West, the Atlantic 10, the American Conference. Uh, it could even happen in one of the big ones where somebody goes on a, a run, maybe somebody like Oklahoma State, uh, who, for example, who won a game with Oklahoma at the time we're taping Wednesday night, if they go on a big run and get the automatic bid, let's say they come out of nowhere, they win the Big 12 tournament, that's taking a bid from somewhere else, because I don't believe they were in when the week began, and there's several other examples that could happen there as as all of this uh, unfolds. So, Kevin, as we call you back in, we're going to have one more uh, pick each here from a conference tournament where the the underdog, a non-first or second seed, can make the championship game third seed and below, if not win it. We'll do that in a little bit. Everybody wants to know who's in, who's out for Sunday. I want to go over two or three teams that we already know are done because they've already lost, and they're very nervous and anxiously awaiting Selection Sunday. Let's begin with Oklahoma. They lost that game to Oklahoma State. Uh, the Sooners really struggled down the stretch uh, of the season, uh, finishing uh, two and nine in their last eleven games. They end up losing the opening game of the Big Twelve tournament. They're forty-seven in the RPI. They have a strong strength of schedule at twenty-two. The new thing is the whole quadrant one thing. We won't get into the whole minutia, but quadrant one wins are the best quality wins. They have six of those. Do you believe with all that laid out, with Oklahoma sitting and watching this weekend, that they are in the NCAA tournament come Sunday night? Your opinion? I think they'll be in. I don't think they deserve to be in. And I'll tell you why. They beat TCU on the road in overtime to begin conference play. They haven't won a road game since. Okay, So you haven't won a road game since late December, All right, if you go back to it. That also includes a loss in Alabama in that SEC Big 12 challenge. Right. You mentioned the loss to Oklahoma State, another bubble team. You, you can't afford to do that. You know, and Oklahoma would have set it up for Kansas, where they could have really helped themselves by beating Oklahoma State and Kansas and could have really solidified a spot. I know they beat Kansas at home earlier in Big 12 play, but really, what big wins do they have? You know, when you think back at it, how many really good wins 
does this team have? They I'll give you a couple. Wins on the road and, 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 and keep in play. mind, keep in mind whether this is maddening or not. The selection committee has been consistent for years and years. They look at November, they look at December, and say your body of work is November and December as well. Those count the same according to them. As well, what, what, you well, who else? I have off the top of my head. Who else would they be? Sure, and I'm looking at right at it. They lost Oklahoma to Arkansas in in Portland in that Nike tournament. They beat Oregon, who's kind of a fringe team, on the neutral floor in Portland. They then beat USC, who's in the top 40 of the RPI in Los Angeles, and they beat Wichita State in a true road game, who's 11 in the RPI, at Wichita State. So their November-December is strong, but you're exactly right. You lose nine of your last 11. You don't have a true road win uh, in the calendar year. There's a real argument I believe the Trey Young factor helps them too, although he's faltered badly the last month of the season. When you have a borderline case and you have a star player, it's a subjective process. It makes you attractive, the eyeball test, to a committee as much as they want to say that it doesn't come down to that. I think it could be a factor. So you believe Oklahoma in? Maybe it doesn't deserve to be in, but you believe they are in. I think they'll end up being in because of that. I think so. And, and by the way, too, Ben Simmons didn't get it with LSU. Remember right. that uh, that, and I don't remember what their body they of work were. Was they that were not. Year. They were not anywhere uh, close enough, and uh, they 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 lost out kind of the same way as Oklahoma, and it cost them. We'll see, but it's a good point. And there, there was a year. Uh, Damian Lillard is a fantastic player now in the NBA. He was the leading scorer in the country. Uh, he was playing uh, out west at Weber State. Weber State was the regular season champions. They lost the conference tournament championship game for the automatic bid. They didn't have a strong enough schedule with the number one scorer in the country, a guy that ended up being a lottery pick, and they didn't go to the tournament. So it, it has been the case before that they've kept teams out. We'll see if that's the case. Moving along quickly to a couple of other teams that have already lost. How nervous are they? Nebraska. They lost in the Big Ten tournament last weekend right away. They end up with a ninety with a fifty seven RPI. They end up with only one quadrant one win, despite an excellent conference record for Nebraska in the Big Ten. They only have one quadrant one win. Are they out at fifty seven in the RPI? Is Nebraska going to get left out Sunday night? Predict for me, Kevin. What do you think? I think they should be in, and I don't know if they'll be in. So it's like the opposite of Oklahoma, where. Oklahoma, I don't think should be in, but they will be in. Nebraska, I think should be in, but not. I get the strength of schedule thing, but also when you have the three heavyweights, or if you want to include Michigan, four heavyweights in the Big Ten, and they did beat Michigan soundly at home. I know they lost them in the yep. Big Ten tournament last week. You had that on Three Dog it, Thursday, by the way, Nebraska over yes, Michigan I did. earlier this year. Yes, I did. And Nebraska ends up, you know, they, they went over 20 games, and I guess I'll look at it this way. It's not their fault Illinois is bad. It's not their fault Iowa's bad. It's not their fault Northwestern took a step back this year. You know, it's not their fault that Indiana was average. That, you know, you're playing these types of teams and you beat them. These are the teams in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's supposed to be a good basketball conference. That they can't be blamed because some of these teams weren't as good. And, you know, maybe they didn't have, you know, wins against Michigan State and Purdue. Yep. You know, and Ohio State. Right. But, but I guess. You know, they, they racked up a lot of wins. Okay, it's one thing to say if you did that in non-conference and scheduled Cupcake A&M, you know, or whoever it is that you're playing. But, you know, in the conference, how can they be blamed for playing a lot of these teams that just underachieved this year, you know, who are normally pretty decent? I mean, you look at even like an Illinois, they beat Missouri in, in non-conference and then, and then totally was awful in Big Ten play. So, 
you know, I, I guess I kind of look at it and I say that you still won 24, 25 games. Like, that's got to mean something, right. you know? 22 to be exact, 13 Big 22. Ten wins. What hurts them is 266 is the out-of-conference schedule. It hurts Tim Miles uh, and company. They're going to have a nervous weekend for Nebraska. A couple more. We already know Syracuse lost Wednesday night to North Carolina, as we talked about earlier in the show in the ACC tournament. 44 in the RPI. Three Quadrant One wins. That helps. Uh, non-conference strength of schedule, 18. They're not supposed to go on the name in the front of the jersey and Hall of Fame coach with Bayheim. Is Syracuse going to get in, or, or are they going to be left out come Sunday night? What is your take, real quick? I think it should be my I, – I, I do. Should they and will they? I'm going no and no here. You know, I, and I say, besides beating Miami on the road and Louisville on the road, and we saw how you know Louisville may not even get in, that, you know, what else have they really done? You know, and, you know, they, they have a clunker against North Carolina. Yeah, they beat Wake Forest. So what? Uh, Wake Forest was second to last in the ACC this year. They would have been last if it wasn't for an 0-18 Pittsburgh team, you know, behind them. So I'm not going to pat Jim Beheim on the back for beating Wake Forest in the first game of the ACC tournament. But past that, Syracuse had to come back to beat Georgetown in non-conference play in overtime, a crazy finish, and they beat UConn. I mean, those are... You know, if this was the 90s, those are great wins. They're not great wins. You know, Georgetown is, is towards the bottom of the Big East. UConn is towards the bottom of the American. Those aren't great road wins for them. So I just can't see where they get in, and I, I just don't think they should be in. All right, so there's that one. And then there's the curious Arizona State case who just completely fell apart in the Pac-12. They were unbeaten going into conference play, ranked number two in the country by the AP, they end up losing 10 regular season games. They lose on the first afternoon of the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas on Wednesday. Uh, they've got three Quadrant One wins, but they're 65 in the RPI, and they lost 10 times in the regular season and right away in the Pac-12 tournament. I think Arizona State's going to get left out Sunday night. Quickly, Kevin, are they getting left out? Yeah I, I, yeah, I can't really disagree because a couple things. Number one, besides beating Kansas on the road, I don't know where else they have quality wins. They got swept by Arizona, which doesn't look good. And the problem with the Pac-12 is you have so many teams that had good seasons, but it seems like they only get like three or four teams in. You can't be a bubble team when you have a bunch of bubble teams in your conference. That just cannot work out where, yes, Utah or UCLA, a lot of these other teams, you know, are, are fringe teams because Arizona's pretty much, you know, the biggest lock of all of them. But to lose 10 times, to be, you know, to, to be wearing the road jerseys in yep. the first round of the Pac-12 tournament against a, a Colorado team that was very inconsistent, and Colorado will beat them earlier in the year at home. I, I just don't know how Arizona State totally fell apart the way they did, or they just probably, you know what it is, TJ? This is what they are, and they probably just overachieved a non-conference play. Maybe. They, they won on a neutral floor against Xavier in November. They beat Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and they may be in the NIT, the Arizona Sun Devils of Bobby Hurley. We'll see, and you're right. The Pac-12 strength of schedule hurts them, just like it's hurting Nebraska overall for the Big Ten strength of schedule. So those teams are going to be very nervous until Selection Sunday. It is Three Dog Thursday, brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com. Take 30% off your order all through March with the promo code HOOPS, those great in-your-face Themed college shirts, humorous college shirts, whether you're fans of North Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky, Michigan State, 
Uh, go enjoy the shirts and take 30% off with the promo code HOOPS from us here on Three Dog Thursday as part of the program. All right, got to get to the, uh, the end and the final conference tournaments that you and I are looking at for underdogs. We've already gone with a couple of them. We'll go over the whole list here at the end. Uh, we left off uh, with, with a couple of them out there. So non-first or second seed in a conference tournament that can make the title game, if not win the title game. Kevin Rogers, give me another one. I'm over the Pac-12 with UCLA. And I know they have a tough game with Stanford on Thursday. And then if they can win that, they'd take on most likely Arizona in the next round. It seems they've beaten already. And I don't know how many teams really are built to beat Arizona and Arizona's had obviously all these off the court issues with Sean Miller and all these other things. So I don't know if necessarily they're a lot to win that tournament, but for UCLA, I, I think with Steve Alford that they've done a very good job of, you know, keeping their heads above water this season with the whole, you know, with the ball situation and what happened in China that that could have easily, you know, sank their season, but they were able to put up 20 wins and, you know, I just think that, again, one of these bubble teams that if UCLA can put together a pretty good weekend in Las Vegas, that they could find a way to get in the NCAA tournament. And uh, with them beating some of these teams already in the regular season, I think just helps their cause. I think UCLA will make it to the championship. All right. So uh, I'm actually on this same tournament. I had looked at this before. You guys, uh, you and I did not discuss this before. We were analyzing it. I'm on the other team going against UCLA. I like Stanford as a surprise team here in what I believe is a wide-open Pac-12 tournament. You mentioned uh, Arizona's had uh, issues off the court with Sean Miller and company. Uh, UCLA is not UCLA. Arizona State falling apart uh, in this. Uh, I like Stanford. Jared Haas has a lot of experience as a former player at Kansas. Uh, formerly had UAB in the in the NCAA tournament as a Conference USA champion. He's now the Stanford coach. They split with UCLA during the the regular season. They won a wild double overtime game early in the conference season at home. UCLA beat them decisively on the road. Here again, uh, Stanford at a bit of an advantage because I think they played on Wednesday in the Pac-12 tournament. They will likely be the fresher team. Uh, here, or at least uh, the team that got warmed up and loosened up in, in Vegas before this game with UCLA. They may catch UCLA, and I like the possibility of them beating Arizona in, in the next round to make the championship game. Just from the standpoint, they played Arizona very tough in both games. Should have beaten them in the home game that they lost by two. They were leading by five points in the final three minutes and lost the game to Arizona. Give Arizona credit. I like Stanford in that Pac-12 draw to be in the title game, if not win it. So you and I disagree. We'll find out who's right. We do know this. One of us is going to be right about the team being in the semifinal. We took the same game, so one of us is going to get that. Uh, we'll find out uh, whether our team can make it to the championship game, if not win the whole thing, coming up. So uh, we've had a lot of fun predicting these games. It is championship weekend. Real quick, give me uh, the, uh, the plug here, because Vegas Insider has got all of the great information on all the conference tournaments, the championship games, and then setting up uh, post-selection Sunday with the matchups upcoming in the NCAA tournament. So, Kevin, tell us more about VegasInsider.com. Absolutely. We have all these major conference tournaments ongoing through the weekend, and our writers are on top of all these matchups, uh, keeping them updated every single day with all these new games going into each round and then obviously going into Sunday. With Selection Sunday, we'll sit through the first 68 teams getting announced, and then we'll find out the brackets. And then once we do that, then everything will be 
up and running and you'll see all these teams as, you know, you'll get all the breakdown of all these teams, their resumes with their records, ATS records, over-unders, all of that. And we have our printable brackets as well. You can print it up and you can be in your pool or have it for yourself or whatever it is. So check it out, VegasInsider.com. And also on Twitter, it's WitVI. We'll be updating you on that as well Sunday night and just getting you ready for the tournament, which begins on, what, Tuesday night yep. with two games and two games Wednesday and then the whole load on Thursday. And also you have the NIT, the CIT, the CBI, the CSI, whatever <laughs> other you know tournaments that they have out there. So plenty of action. The ACDC and in college basketball this year, we even have the FBI that's involved. All the different initials that are involved with that. Again, go to VegasInsider.com. Follow Kevin at VI Rogers throughout the weekend. Uh, and again, follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. We'll be back to analyze everything that happened this weekend, Selection Sunday, and the matchups for the NCAA tournament next week on Three Dog Thursday. Again, Kevin has North Carolina, and I agree with him in the ACC tournament as a non-one or two seed to make the championship game. If not win it, we both have the Tar Heels. Kevin likes West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament. Same scenario in Kansas City. I'll take Butler in the Big East tournament, not Xavier, not Villanova, who's another team that could be in the title game or win it. I like Butler maybe in a head-to-head matchup with Villanova, obviously, in the semifinals there, so I'll take the Butler Bulldogs. And then we disagree. In the Pac-12, Kevin likes UCLA. I like Stanford. They play each other Thursday afternoon in Vegas, so you may be listening to Three Dog Thursday and already know who was right on that to get a team into the semifinals. We'll find out. Kevin, this is going to be great. Uh, again, uh, dozens and dozens of games over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to analyze all of it. I can't wait. Thank you for the insight and the analysis. Good luck with the underdog teams in the conference tournament, sir. Thank you, TJ. You too. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to Rich Hollenberg of ESPN helping me uh, cover and talk about all the college hoops this weekend. Uh, we thank you as well for being with us. Again, whether you found the show on RadioInfluence.com or on iTunes or Stitcher, rank the show, rate the show if you're subscribing to it. Uh, if you only found us online, go go find the show and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We look forward to uh, having you subscribe, find the show, rank the show, tell others about Three Dog Thursday. We love that. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy all the hoops and all the underdogs. We're back with the madness in full swing next week with the NCAA tournament about to unfold on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Always remember that quarterback's second contracts take up a large percentage of the cap. If a guy doesn't make it to his second contract, you got a quarterback problem, you got to find one. If you got one and you get him to a second contract, you're in a whole different world of trying to build a team than when you had him under a rookie contract, like the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson, like it's going to be with any of these guys with good young quarterbacks, the Texans with Deshaun Watson, the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Important to understand that. More mistakes are made in free agency at the cornerback position than any other. Always remember that. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.